to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This week, we've got some updates, we've got uh, a follow-up, we've got a challenge, and we've got a big old elephant to address. It's just huge. Just sitting there. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined today by Matthew Stubblefield. Matthew, look at the size of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> one might say... Uh, one might say so many things that we're not going to, Ryan. Uh, yeah, because you know what? We're all in it together. We are not. We we are not. Uh, we're not virus certified. doctors. Yeah, you know. Even though I play one on television, I'm I, I I'm not a doctor. We don't even know. But I play one. We on are, TV. We are not. <laughs> we don't even know the right words to use. We are not epidemiologists. Yeah, we are. We are none of those things. You don't even want. You don't care what we have to say, right? I mean, do you? Not about that. Not about that. So we're going to stick to. You what know what we do, we do know. We know Atlassian and we know food. And thankfully, those are two things we're going to talk about today. Oh, we are so going to talk about those things. Um, but we do have to tell you from Adaptivist, Adaptivist is very, we're, we feel extremely fortunate right now. We're, we're in a, a good spot. We're, we're, we're already socially distant. <laughs> Ryan and I are nowhere near each other. No, absolutely nowhere close. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Adaptivist is, has always been kind of a remote first company. Um, there, there is, for those of you who don't know, we are headquartered out of London, England. Uh, so there are a bunch of people there who used normally to go to the office. Uh, for those of us in North America, like Ryan and I are, if our accents did not give that away, uh, <laughs> we've, we've always been, you know, predominantly remote. There um, are a few offices. So we just, we, we do feel very fortunate that we can, we can do our jobs, that we can talk to you all. Um, and that Atlassian, you know, the software is made to help us work remote. So we, you know, knowing it and working with it, we're all already in a really good place. Uh, and hopefully we can help others. And all of you listening, hopefully, you know, not just hopefully, I, I imagine a lot of you have friends and family who are transitioning to work from home and are struggling and you're able to help them understand Slack and Trello and Jira and Confluence and other tools to help them. And so uh, I, it's, it's, it's a good place to be. I'm, I'm glad we're able to help our communities and our friends and family, you know, through, through these difficult times of, of having to change up how we do work. And speaking of friends and family, uh, we got to give a big shout out to our colleagues at Adaptivist who have just all been wonderful, and especially our leadership, uh, name-dropping our CEO, Simon Hayton-Williams, and his the entire leadership team for just being tr- shockingly transparent and forthcoming and, and human in, in, in these crazy times. Yeah, I, I wrote on LinkedIn that you know, I, I think it's, uh, I can't remember my exact wording, but effectively, I, I describe it as fairly incredible, but I think Simon would say it's just the right thing to do to to be this transparent, to share what's going on with the company and the direction we're headed. And, and as he put it, what's going on now, next, and in the future. And, um, you know, Adaptivist is is doing well, Atlassian's doing well. Um, but that level of communication, I think, is is unique. So from from all of us at Adaptivist Live, all... Ryan and me. Uh, thanks, you guys. And uh, we're going to shuffle that elephant off to the side. 
Yeah, he could just hang out. Uh, talk about uh, Jira 88. <laughs> the gorilla. Now that we've moved on from the elephant, we can talk about the gorilla in the room. And that it's, is. It's just a jungle zoo today. <laughs> the menagerie itself. And we come to the recent release of Jira Software 8.8. Some minor changes. The biggest one that will affect Jira administrators' lives is an improvement to the audit log. This looks pretty slick. Yeah, so if you've looked at the audit log before, it's just sort of like a long list of, of stuff. Um, what's changed is now a, a settings uh, page. So you can... It gives you just a much nicer way to to pre to configure your logs and to get the information that you're looking for. It's a far nicer... Yeah, like changing, you know, in the past we'd say there are logging levels, Yeah, you know, so you could you could decide for different components what level you wanted to log them at. Um, this makes this, uh, it, it, it groups some things together. So you've got some groups like user management and permissions security that um, you can then set different levels for those groupings. You can also delegate uh, some of these things where, where project admins Increased um, could get access for spaces. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, and then integration with third-party tools uh, is super sweet. Like being able to kick this over to Splunk or something. Oh, um, yeah. You know, I overlooked so, that when yeah, I read that's, this article. That's, that's data center only, um, but it is a, a really nice feature uh, to uh, be able to display these events alongside all the rest of your stuff. So if you, uh, for instance, see a, a spike in your CPU timer, like your, your disk is getting full or something, being able to see uh, or being able to correlate that with changes all in the same tool uh, will be really nice. And fortunately, they're going to migrate up to 10 million records for you. So, you know, you're, you'll, you'll say, hopefully you can find the needle in the haystack in case you have to go digging if, when you upgrade to Jira 8.8. Yeah, a few other minor changes, uh, being able to set dates on future sprints. Um, that's uh, not bad. Um, and they'll show up in the sprint report. I wonder if that will be something that influences, say, Jira portfolio, because um, that could be really nice. If it does, we've always wanted more Jira software integration there. Um, yeah. No news from portfolio this week, but could be nice. Um, and then some uh, some uh, accessibility things, but that's not actually the biggest news out of Jira 8.8. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> even want to... I'm not excited about the biggest news. I'm not excited about if, it. If, if COVID-19 is an elephant and 8.8 is a gorilla, uh, the ability to have a non-cluster data center as a separate license would be the... The, the kaiju. It's the, it's the Godzilla. Uh, so there's server, right? We got Jira server. You run that on your, 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 your single hardware. node instance and, and whatever. You got Jira data center. Uh, which is for multi-node instances. Uh, and there's a bunch of additional features that have been made data center only over the last couple of years. We've been pointing that and, out. Yeah, yeah. And then um, as of... Uh, so we're recording this on Tuesday, March 24th. We will be linking to a blog post that will publish on Wednesday, March 25th. And the podcast that you're listening to uh, actually was published on Friday, March 27th. Um, but uh, yeah, by now, by the time you're listening to this, this will be available out there and it's in the release notes. There's a third tier coming to what we used to call on-premise uh, or self-hosted. And that is the non-clustered data center, which is 
Jira server, but with data center features at a higher cost, but without additional nodes or like all the sort of like the main data center stuff of high availability and failover and like. It's, it's pure. It's a pure data center up as I'm reading it. And of course, faithful listeners, I am wrong at least once a day. So if I'm wrong about this, please correct me. But the way I'm reading it is that this is just a straight up, you're switching over to a data center license and they're allowing that license to run on a server instance with the server infrastructure, which calls into question mm. the the unless they're going to be rebranding data center because the value in data center comes from the multi-node structure that's the whole point yeah and and there's there is like a, a partners um only blog post where there's been a lot of discussion on this and you could already run a single node data center today uh but there is some additional work so one of the hypotheses is that this is just removing that additional work you don't need to have uh, a reverse proxy or or you know, anything else in the front end. So maybe that's what's happening. But right now, all we have are the blog posts and release notes. Um, so I'm sure we'll all learn more in the coming days. Chances are, if you, if I think Ryan's right, it is just an upgrade to data center, which impacts your add-ons um, and and pricing and everything else. But you'll get some pretty sweet uh, fe- I mean, we've, we've looked at those features. There and are nice said, features. Man, yeah. that's nice. But the feature flag nice. aspect of it it do, does that cheapen the data center brand to you? Because right, yeah, because this is effectively server, but with those features with turned those features. on. Yeah, it's it's just a flag. Um, so yeah, except I mean, I the data center code base does have differences from server. Yeah, well, but, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What do you all think? We want to stop at Adaptivist, please, on the social medias. Let us know what you think, and I'm sure two weeks from now. We will know more than we do today. That would have to be the case at this point, right? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I, I, we're, we're learning something new every day, Matthew. Every single day. Indeed. <laughs> Are we? Indeed. Are we, though? <laughs> uh, and speaking of new things we've learned today, on 24th of March 2020, we've also learned Bitbucket Server 7.1 uh, is out. Live in the um, wild. So there's uh, a neat new feature called a push log. Uh, Jira 8.8 has the improved audit log features. Bitbucket 7.1 has what they're calling a push log. Um, so already it's pretty easy in Bitbucket to visualize your, your different branches and, and when they were created and when they're merged in. What the push log does is let you look at a single branch and uh, see uh, when commits were pushed to it, when there were merges, um, and, and other actions like that. So just a, a nice little table um with uh with those changes uh so so that's pretty cool uh also uh enable support for elasticsearch 752 and some bug and, fixes and uh and some bug fixes and that's uh that's bitbucket 71 our longtime listeners will know that uh here at adaptivist live we are big fans of the update and we've got another update around automation for jira and joining us to discuss the key differences between Automation for Jira and Script Runner for Jira Cloud is the product manager for Script Runner for Jira Cloud, Ryan Rules. Ryan, nice to see you. Nice to see you, Ryan. All the Ryans. Yeah, doing well, good we've, today. We've got we've got two fifths of the Ryan squad at Adaptivist on the call today. Nice to be amongst uh, common names. Good to be here. So, Ryan, Automation for Jira has now fully rolled out into Jira Cloud. 
and users have been have begun their 90-day trials uh but we get we're getting a lot of questions about why should I stick with scriptrunner if automation tools are available to me as part of the package what are some key differences that uh users can expect between the new automation features that have been rolled in and our scriptrunner for jira cloud product yeah, Ryan. So cool. That's fine. Uh, so automation for Jira so now rolled out to every cloud instance known to man, and you know that's great because it it kind of reveals you know the, the the potential of automation for everyone, and you know that's good. We like that. Um, so yeah, automation in Jira. So um, automation for Jira is kind of tailored towards giving the ability to every user within a Jira instance. So not just the system admin, but actually project admins are able to build automations as well. And that's something that Scriptrunner at this time doesn't do. Um, it gives you a nice drag and drop interface in order to build your automations. And it kind of removes a lot of the complexities that are normally associated with automating. So it's nice. It's a nice touch. People will be able to, to get some work done that they weren't able to before, make their daily lives a little easier. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have, you could say, some more simple if this, then that use cases, um, Automation for Jira is a great tool to be able to get those uh, built quite quickly. And so the key differences between it and ScriptRunner? So one of the most obvious use cases is that ScriptRunner is not a drag-and-drop um, sort of automation builder. Uh, you're given a code editor, which is where the true power of like ScriptRunner comes into play. So you're able to build anything that you want. If you can think it, you, know, you can build it and automate that with ScriptRunner. Uh, so the, some of the more advanced use cases that are specific to customers' uh, issues, like they're able to get to the heart of that and solve that with ScriptRunner. Um, so in terms of pricing, so that's one of the key differences as well. So uh, one thing that Elastin have done with regards to pricing, so they have chosen to tier how much automation um, is available to end users depending on their Jira user tier. Uh, so you're limited, uh, if you're on Jira free or Jira standard, for example, how many automation rule executions you're able to do. So for some customers, they can see that their monthly or annual bill may increase depending on their usage of automation. Now, where ScriptRunner comes into play is that we've never had the idea of limitations. So we are unlimited, uh, unlimited rule executions, unlimited um, scripts that you can build and execute. And that's why it was one of the key messages that we're giving with ScriptRunner is that you know, unlimited is at the heart of what we do. And I'd also like to point out that ScriptRunner includes the enhanced search feature, which gives your automation so much more power. Absolutely. That kind of goes into the heart of what Scriptrunner is. It's essentially like a toolbox uh, of automation. And depending on which tool you need to use to solve a specific need, you know, that's that's where Scriptrunner comes into play. So you want to uh, build more advanced JQL functions so you can power up your Kanban boards and enhance search uh, within Scriptrunner is a, is a perfect tool for that. Ryan Rules, Product Manager for Scriptrunner for Jira Cloud. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Ryan. So one of the interesting things, uh, going back to the elephant that's now just chilling uh, at least six feet away from us. He's got a cocktail. Um, <laughs> where, did, where did he get that? Uh, you know, a lot of teams are transitioning to remote work and, and doing the kind of stuff that Ryan and I have been doing for a few years now. And Trello published a, a pretty cool blog post on the 24th of March titled Bond at a Distance with the Remote Team Cooking Challenge. And... Uh, for our viewers at home who have who've been you know with us for a while, you know Ryan and Ryan in particular is about the cooking. I'm more about the eating, well, uh, than the cooking. I, I yeah, I and I'm all about the cooking, and I also am a big fan of eating. 
I really we, we like it. the eating side of the equation. Yeah, I'm big fan uh, so, of that. <laughs> Trello has uh, actually a, sort of a workflow of uh, using a Trello board and doing what they call the remote cooking challenge, where you randomly pick one ingredient per month and then incentivize people to share recipes, dishes, uh, using that ingredient. Um, and, uh, you know, over the course of, of time, uh, pulling together kind of unique recipes and sharing those and using this as an opportunity to comment to each other and share progress and pictures. And like, it's just sort of a, a nice way to bond outside of, of work, which is important when we're not seeing each other in an office. Like we're not getting those social connections. We're not building that, that trust that comes from talking to each other. So it's not like, you know, you don't want to be working all the time. Uh, but this gives you a non-work way to, to bond with people around the things that we love most, which is cooking and eating. And you know, the, the act of cooking and eating does expose you to perspectives that don't come in normal work conversations, Mm. because this is a side of your person. This is an essential part of humanity that we don't express unless we're kind of taking part in it. Right. We we're not, and, and that's okay to not always be talking about food, even though given my druthers. Um, so when we're doing this, we're intentionally sharing a, an aspect of our lives. Some, you know what? People are going to handle an ingredient as, as basic as rice, and they're going to treat it very differently or mm. could potentially. Mm. And seeing oh, what I could talk about do, rice for a long time. Yeah, right? So many varieties. So delightful. But so uh, we think that this is just a, a really fun thing to to t- take part in, and uh, you know I'm sure that you're in if you're if you've got cooks at your organization, there might already be a cooking channel on your Slack. I know we've got one. Adapt to cooks, <laughs> and uh, the breads that I've been posting have been epic, man. But uh, some of our colleagues have also put up some impressive pictures. Yeah, yeah. So. For those of you who, uh, you know, are struggling with that elephant, uh, make sure you're taking care of yourself, taking care of your brain and your heart and your stomach. Mm. And <laughs> and check out the link in- embedded here on our SoundCloud. And uh, finally, for this week, you might, if you stuck around for the entire episode last time, you heard me uh, come in on the uh, the tag and say there wasn't anything funny. But I have a special announcement this week. Well, here's that special announcement, folks. Matthew, can you give me a drum roll? Don't actually, don't actually, don't, don't actually. Oh, I was so ready. Oh, do it. I was ready to do, do it. it. Do it. It's probably gonna, that's probably gonna sound horrible on the microphone, but I did it. <laughs> um, the special announcement is that next week you can expect two special episodes of Adaptivist Live. We'll be having a What's New from Adaptivist episode on March 31st, and then the launch of our brand new series, Team Titans, on Friday, April 3rd. You know, if you're already subscribed, it'll just show up in your podcast app, and you won't have to worry about it. Yeah, so... Because it is the same, it's the same uh, subscription, right, Ryan? It absolutely is, Matthew. And we should tell you just a little bit about Team Titans. It's a new show where we'll be talking with some of the people behind the tools, processes, and thoughts that are driving the world of work today and into the future. I got to record an interview with adaptivist Agile consultant and co-signatory of the Agile Manifesto, John Kern, recently, and I can't wait to share that interview with our listeners. 
From all of us at Adaptivist, particularly Ryan and me, we thank you so much for joining us this week. Again, hit us up at Adaptivist on the social medias. Download, like, subscribe, and share this podcast wherever fine podcasts are shared. Leave us a review. We could really use the encouraging words, and we would appreciate them much. And we hope you will join us again in the I, maybe just next week or a week after, soon, sometime. Uh, you'll get it when it drops, and until then... Thanks. See you next time on Adaptivist Live. Booyah. So your FedEx person's here. Hi. Oh, my FedEx person is here. Oh.